good morning. Hi. Well, welcome to Houston Pet Set Conversations for the Animals. We're here with one of our favorite conversationalists today, Rania Mankarios, Executive Director of Crime Stoppers, great partner to Houston Pet Set, great partner with so many organizations in the city, and certainly a friend to the animals. And um, we couldn't be more grateful to be aligned with you in, in some causes. And so thank you for being here this morning. I'm with Tina, um, my twin sister and co-president. I'm Tamara Lundquist, uh, co-president of Houston Pet Set and Rania Minkarios. Yay. Yay. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. You guys launching this podcast is the greatest thing. <laughs> I'm so When I saw it, I was like, yes, I'm so happy it needs to happen. And conversations centered around the heart of animal welfare, because there's a million different topics that are yet to be explored. And you two are the experts. So I was so excited when I saw that you were doing this. And I'm well, thrilled to be here. And so excited that you launched your podcast, Rania. I mean, Thank it really you. is brilliant, the, a balanced voice. Yes. Which is so apropos these days. You know, we need a balanced voice. And you, you bring reason and you bring common sense to... Um, public safety. Thank you. And so we're so grateful you bring up topics and we're not even on script. So we're, we're already, you know, off topic, but you bring up so many important topics that would otherwise get missed in Houston, especially um, nowadays. So thank you. Well, I'll just quickly say to that, and I'm sh only looking at my phone to share that I'm with you because I'm so thrilled. Um, you know, think of 2020. We started the year talking about felony bond reform, mm -hmm. and then we had COVID, and then we had George Floyd's death, and we had defund the police. It was a really huge year for public safety, and we realized we needed to have public safety conversations, but most people don't tap into public safety conversations. Right. So we did a lot of research on what people can we profile that can speak to our issues that are more interesting than we are <laughs> and bring them onto the podcast. So people... Every single guest has been directly tied to the work, the public safety work and the mission. And um, we're excited for season three. We're so excited for season three to launch soon. And we were happy that you guys were just on. Yes. Mm -hmm. It Thank was great. For having us. Yeah. Yes, of course. Backing up just a little bit to the public safety, I think people assume that public safety is handled. Yes. You know, we make that assumption that we live in a civilized society, yep. that we um, pay our taxes, and that we can assume that we are relatively safe. Yeah. And it's not been the case in Houston. We have actually declined with regard to public safety. A hundred percent. You know, people say, well, Chicago is sort of the gold standard of what not to be. Mm -hmm. Well, news, Houston has surpassed Chicago <laughs> in terms of wow. crime. And that's a, a really interesting point. And unfortunately, and I don't get it, but public safety has become political. Yeah. So it's become so much harder to talk about. Um, everybody has their hands tied behind their back. Our Houston Police Department is working so hard with 5,300 police officers. By the way, there's 13,000 officers in Chicago, and mm -hmm. we're about the same size as the city of Chicago. Wow. But they're operating with their hands tied because they make the arrests. They put their lives on the line. And then within a matter of moments, the same suspect is out on the streets. The DA has her hand and their hands tied behind their back because they're accepting charges. They're saying, don't give a bond or give a high bond. But then the suspect goes before a magistrate or a judge and who has, of course, the legal right to do what they want to do. So 
it is, it's just a very interesting time. And the citizens of Houston and Harris County are paying the price for all of this. Mm-hmm. And the animals. Yeah. Well, backing up, just a short civics lesson, you said um, um, these decisions are being made to release these suspects. Um, who who actually makes those decisions? Are those are those judges and magistrates? Are they elected or are they appointed? So judges, we vote for them. Okay, and then magistrates are appointed. Okay, and the idea is really a a, a new understanding of the Constitution of Texas and criminal justice in general. And, you know, years ago, 2016, actually, to be exact, people said, you know, if you're arrested for like a low level crime, you're it's like your first crime. It's not. Why are we holding you pretrial? You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your apartment. It's going to create such a terrible situation for you. We we need to be releasing people pretrial. And it's not fair if I get arrested for stealing um, a bottle of water and I can't afford to make bail. And then John Smith gets arrested for the same crime and he can afford to make it. Like, that's just not fair. And we all agreed. We said, yes, they applied the same type of thinking to felony crime. And that doesn't work because if you've committed multiple murders, we've got to do a stop and do a risk assessment and say, if we let you out pretrial, there's a high probability you're going to hurt someone else, the community or yourself. And you've got to be held. Now, we also have to have speedy and fair trials. We've got to get the system moving and the system just hasn't been moving. So a lot of this falls up under county leadership. People say, well, the mayor needs to fix it. This is not this issue has nothing to do with the mayor at all. Well, Troy Finner, Chief Finner needs to do it has nothing to do with Chief Finner. It's a county issue The the chief, our county judge, Lena Hidalgo, our four county commissioners, Rodney Ellis, Adrian Garcia, Jack Cagle, Tom Ramsey, they decide, they oversee the DA, the sheriff, the judges, the jails, the courthouses. This is a county discussion. We need to have it politely and appropriately and respectfully with the right people. And to go back to your point, all elected officials. So if you don't like this, right, yeah. county commissioner, you, you think about that. Next yeah. time you go to the polls, because... Because this makes a difference. It's affecting every single one of our lives. I don't care where you live. You can live in the best zip code. You can live in those areas that are underprivileged, unfortunately. It doesn't matter. Everybody's being affected by the crime these days. And we've never once talked about voting. You know, that's not our issue at all. But now, you know, we tell people, make your voices heard. How many people listening have ever signed up to go to the county commissioner's hearing? Now it's on Zoom, so it's so easy. How, who's ever done that? You know, I nobody. Right. We don't we think to do that. Make your voices heard politely. You know, yes, I don't like when people course. insult or criticize or, you know, these are still public servants. They, they demand, they need respect, and we should demand that they be treated respectfully. But we are able to voice our dissent and our concern with the opinions and decisions and the way that things are being handled. That's our right to do that. Um, We've seen some, you know, elected officials block people that don't don't agree with them and name call. And it's just not right. You know, it's just not right. Have you had the opportunity to ask anybody who is in a position to make these decisions why You know, why do they feel, especially when you look at the data, you know, I read one thing last night that Andy Kahan did, you know, about a gentleman who bonded out 10 times. Oh, yeah. And um, every time committed another felony, another felony, another felony. If if we have so many of these cases, we have the data to back up this discussion about how dangerous Houston is in Harris County. Have you ever had the opportunity to talk to them? And what what do they say? There, it's a new understanding of the Constitution. So the Texas Constitution guarantees the right to bail. 
But at the same time, there's also historically a notion of risk assessment Mm -hmm. that, yes, you have the right to bail. But after five murders, maybe you you don't because of risk or proper risk assessments being done. And you couple that with we need to have speedy and fair trials. I'm not saying you hold people pretrial indefinitely. That's ridiculous. But at some point, you've got to bring back those that notion of risk assessments, this sort of new wave of elected officials. They they just say, no, you're entitled to bail. And a lot of times they're not going to The assumption is no one can pay anything. So you're going to go out on a PR bond, a get out of jail free card, as Andy says. And uh, hopefully not, you won't do anything else. And good luck to everybody else who lives here. I'm glad you brought up Andy. So huge shout out to Andy Kahn. He's, oh, he's yeah. one of our favorites and he really is a voice of reason um, on this issue. And he's really championed this cause where where others haven't. And so thank you to him. So there was legislation about this this year, correct? Yes. Is it was. SB 20? There's SB 21, mm-hmm. HB 20. Okay. And um, we had worked so, 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 so hard on this and right at the point of it being voted on, um, you know that a lot of elected officials left the floor yeah. and wouldn't vote on it. And I know there's big, big discussion about the voting bill. And that's, again, not our area. I couldn't even recap the voting bill right. if you asked me. But when they walked out and they left this issue, they really, really hurt mm-hmm. our city and county. Yeah. They really did. And so special session will gear up. We are getting an army together of people to make our voices heard, never disrespectfully, never rudely, but to say we need guidance here, mm-hmm. clarification on the Constitution, and we need we need some parameters put in place. Maybe after the third charge of capital murder, you can't get out and yeah. just go kill. Yeah. I mean, the fifth rape, what, right. what's the number? Right. You know, I love how D.A. Og says reasonable minds can, can come to an agreement. Um, but we have to do something. It's not sustainable. This is no mm-hmm. longer sustainable. Yeah, no. And that's a good and scary point. It's not sustainable. Where is this going to end? That's what I keep thinking. I mean, do we, we have so many people moving into Houston, but a lot of Houstonians talking about where is this going to end? Do I need to leave to, to raise my family yeah. in a safer city? And that that is a conversation people are having. I just had it this weekend. People said, we really think we need to leave the city. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, stay and fight for your city. Right, yeah. Stay and fight for your city. What we don't want to see happen, and, and Chief Acevedo would say this before he left. He said, after a while, people stay silent for a period of time. This is my, I always say, people will stay silent for a little bit. After a while, they're going to say, wait a minute, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to say, oh, no, no, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, we need people to just rise up and speak. And what Chief, going back to Chief Acevedo, he said what he fears is the pendulum's going to swing to the other mm-hmm. direction yep. where we are holding everybody and we, yes. you know, we are just completely intolerant of any type of wrongdoing. And, and there's got to be a balance. There's mm-hmm. just got to, and I, we've, We've gone off one end, and I don't want to go off the other. We just need to get back to the middle. Yeah, makes complete sense. We've had that conversation, too. There's sometimes when we're so exacerbated. I can never say that Exasperated. Exasperated. Got it. I don't (laughs) know. I can't say it. (laughs) With with the exacerbation of crime in this. But um, we have to stay and fight. You're right. And I feel that way, you know, bringing it back to Houston Pet Set and the animals, when I think about leaving, I can't leave. No. Because, A, my husband is here, my family's here, 
you know, there are things about this city that I love, but I think about the animals left on the streets. And if we don't speak out on their behalf, who will? Yeah. This has been going on, bringing it to animals. This has been going on in our city for decades. This pretending that animals don't matter. Um, and now it's it's come to a crisis level where we have hundreds of thousands of animals on our streets. They're dying needless deaths. They're not being well cared for. We can't get legislation passed. Mm. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking. And we're not ever going to be a civilized society until we care for those that can't care for themselves. You know, and we have to, as you said, Rania, we have to stay and fight. And civilized society now means different things to different people, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. It means yeah. different things to different people. But I think we should all agree that caring for the animals, caring for children, caring yes. for the elderly, yes. we must agree on those basic right. tenets mm-hmm. to be a civilized society. And I, I applaud you. I mean, from the very early days when I became executive director at Crime Stoppers in 2013 and was able to sit with you guys, it was just such an apparent gaping hole and work that you were doing that others needed to follow you and join you and help champion the cause and close the gaps where, you know, that's Jennifer Homan's always talking about closing the gaps. And I love when she says it mm-hmm. together. I think we're trying to do that. And you, you guys have raised an army. You guys have pulled in everybody to this fight. Well, there have been so many people doing this work for so long. We think of Friends of Bark that was there years and years ago, making sure that animals were cared for to the best of their ability under, you know, poor management. We're talking 15 years ago. It has improved since then. But the number of rescue groups, there are 300 registered animal nonprofits in the city of Houston. And, um, you know, they're doing the work that our government isn't doing, as you said, filling the gaps. The budgets of our um, animal nonprofits, the ones that we're partnered with, is $67 The budgets of Harris County and Bark combined is 19. So the nonprofits far outweigh the work that's far outweigh what's being done by by our shelters and by our city and county. So and I have oh go ahead. I was going to say, you know, if you told everybody in those nonprofits to stop doing what they're doing for one year, what would Houston look like? I can't even what imagine. What would Houston look like? I can't even imagine. And I f- it, do you feel like as a collective community, everybody has the same mission, vision, and agenda? Or do you feel like within the, the nonprofit animal community, um, you know, is it a unified force and an mm-hmm. organized force? Definitely. I think it is yeah. too. Yes, I think it is. I think everybody's doing it because they can't stand to see the suffering. You look and, you know, sometimes you don't see the suffering of children because you're not in the schools yes. or you're not where they are and or the elderly. So it's not so obvious, but there are people who drive home every day yeah. and they'll send us a video for a week every day saying, I'm on my way home. Here's seven dogs here. Here's five here. Here's these. This is what I see every day. So I feel like it's so in our faces and so in the faces of so many of the rescue organizations that they can't not do something yeah. like yes. it's, it's painful not to do something. So, um, yeah, it's it's if without them, we would be we would be in such trouble. And then what does the city do? And then what does the county do? I've often thought about having a strike, you yeah. know, if it wasn't for the animals suffering even more. What does a strike look like by these mm-hmm. nonprofits? 
But your hearts won't let their hearts. No, you, because, your hearts can't no, do it. No, you can't. You can't. No. You can't. No. I, I'm curious now. Now I'm like, let me ask you a question. So how do we compare to other cities across the country with animal cruelty? Do you guys know? Are we worse? Are we the same? Or is it just a human issue across the board and cities across the state or the country are struggling the same? It, it appears to be worse in Houston. We know anecdotally that um, that there's a lot more, there are a lot more animals here that are um, victims of cruelty, whether it be just neglect yeah. or, or um, intentional cruelty. So cruelty by neglect is everywhere in this city. People leave their dogs outside in the heat, in the cold. Mm. They, um, we don't have a bill, we don't have a law that provides adequate shelter. That was the bill that was vetoed. Which we don't understand. I almost died when I saw that that was vetoed. And I know you guys are still working to figure out the origins of why that was vetoed. Right. Yeah, it's it's it, it's almost it's still incomprehensible to us why we can't have a law that just provides for adequate shelter so that when a dog is tied up outside, it, it's required to have a dog house, something to protect it from the sun. It's required to have clean water and food, just the basic needs. And right now we don't we don't have that. So just basic humanity, yes. just being humane. Mm -hmm. And if the people can't do it and you can't educate them to do it, then you have to, to legislate. legislate. So if you can't educate, you legislate. And we were counting on that this year. So, you know, for three sessions now, we've, this bill has been, been gotten closer and closer and closer. And we thought we had it this year. But yeah, it's another, another couple of years of watching animals die on the ends of chains in, in the extreme temperatures. Which is yeah, I it's think horrifying. of my little, like you just think yeah. of their their bodies when they're in heat and how you can quickly see, see how they change mm -hmm. to adapt and struggle. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And it's such an easy thing to pass and ask people to do. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a burden. No. It had bipartisan support. This was um, it, this was um, authored, co-authored. Um, by a couple of different um, legislators, but it was co-sponsored by more than almost 100 legislators. Yeah, yeah. So it had the support. It, everybody agreed that it was important and that it was necessary. So this veto, yeah, came as a real shock to everybody in the animal welfare community. And like you, we've just, we've got to figure out why. Why yes. keep following the why? Yep. And that's what I'd recommend because we've been on that side and it's very hard. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you just keep following the why. And, you know, we can be the greatest friends or the worst nightmares because we don't give up. We're not going to give up. We're never going to be rude. Mm -hmm. we're not, I tell people I, we'll, we will never be rude or disrespectful. It's not the way we are. But we're also never going to give up. Right. So at some point, you got to deal with it. And people have to deal with us and with you. And, and all we want is a safer Houston for everyone that calls it home. Exactly. That's just it. We're trying to improve the quality of life. Yeah. We just need some help. Why doesn't Houston have that ordinance? You know, it doesn't make it doesn't, any why sense. Does it, yeah, we're the largest. Are we the largest city in in Texas? A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. So why why would Houston be so far behind as a city? These other these other cities that we have to count on on um, state on state law. Yeah. So come on, Houston. You yeah. know, let's get this done. And by the way, people like us again, we're not political. But as citizens, the organizations are not. But as citizens, we we look, we are intentionally looking for people to run who care about these issues and will make them priority issues. And it's not the three of us in this room. We represent hundreds and hundreds yes. and hundreds and hundreds of people mm -hmm. that agree. So these are not issues. When I said it, 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 these are not issues that are going to go away. They're not going to go away. And we won't, you know, 
Going back to the animal issue, just for anybody who's watching, um, the um, number of animals running on our streets, the strays, have become a quality of life and a public safety issue. That has been determined by the data collected from various various groups and various sources, um, but mostly the surveys from the people. And the people are saying, yes, this impacts my, my life. This impacts my daily world. This impacts my children, my elderly parents who can't get to the bus stop to get to the doctor. So this is a quality of life issue. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, and it's a human issue. You mm-hmm. know, people say say, I remember when we first met in 2013 and really started working on this, people would say, well, Brenya, you're leading a public safety organization. Shouldn't you really, let's, let's focus on children first. And I'd say, wait a minute, you're missing a huge connection. Animal cruelty is often the gateway. It's yeah. the litmus test for what's going on behind closed doors, for right. what's going mm-hmm. on in a person's circle and community, for what they're willing to do to others. We've got to actually even start there and look at the nexus between animal neglect, which is a certain symptom of dis- dis- disparity in a home or uh, distress in a mm-hmm. home. We've got to look at the nexus between animal crime and child abuse mm-hmm. because it's almost a 90% yes. crossover, right. domestic violence and animal yeah. cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, gang activity, school violence, and animal cruelty. To ne- to ignore the root, it's almost like a root cause of so mm-hmm. many other issues. And then forget all. If, how, how can you not have a heart for animals in general? Right. You know, but if if you've got to find the argument that meets every audience member wherever they are. And so that was one of the things we really looked at together. And you guys helped us do that. Let's look at the ties, how this affects everybody, the cost, yeah. where, what law enforcement tools, what they have, what tools they have to respond to an animal uh, abuse case, dog fighting, all these other things. Do Are they equipped? What happens with the DA once they, can they file charges? You know, we looked at the whole thing from start to finish. And I think together we made a lot of progress. There's a lot more to do, though. Definitely. Definitely. You, Crime Stoppers, you, Rania, um, as, as the ED of Crime Stoppers, really brought a lot of attention to cruelty against animals, animals, animal abuse. And we're so grateful to you because what we want is for this issue to be um, at every table, at every conversation. Because as you said, it impacts so many areas of our society. And again, we go back to, we cannot have a great quality of life until we address yeah. the animal crisis that Houston is facing. And Dr. Kleinberg, who okay. we love and who is so well-respected, said it best. He said, Houston will not be a world-class city yes. until we address the crisis of animals in Houston. Thank you, Dr. Kleinberg. You know, and and that was after his assessment of the data that he collected in his, you know, very well-respected study. And by the way, the solutions, I think, are not that difficult. They're really not. You have 300 nonprofits with a budget of 60, collective budget of 67 million doing such important work. If ordinances and state policy could fix some, you free up that cash to do, to execute, to help, to assist. I just think it's not that hard. Sometimes I feel like we're trying to help this city and trying to help this county so much. And then we get this momentum and we get some project or something going. And we're met with resistance where? Everywhere. At the city level, at the Mm -hmm. county level. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you kidding? You're trying to develop this this area economically, bring in businesses, bring in new families. It's a great, there's so many things that Houston has to offer. We've got sports teams, we've got medical center, the NASA, we've got so many great things, but yet 
it's the, as Tina says, the dirty little secret. You yeah. get here and you try to place families if mm-hmm. you're bringing in a business and you try to fa- place families and you can't find a neighborhood where there's where it's safe because no. the animals are running wild. Um, what does that do for economic development eventually? eventually? You know, we were, we were uh, told that we couldn't have the Olympics here because it was yeah. such an ugly city. So we beautified, beautified Houston and it's got some beautiful areas now. Um, but what what about this area? What yeah. about this? You know, last week the newspapers came out with Houston once again as the dog bite capital of the world for postal workers. And what did we think was going to happen? Yeah. You this, know? <laughs> it's for the third year in a row. Yeah. But, but so what, that's why when we go to the city, we go to the county, we go to Bark, we go and we have solutions. As you said, mm-hmm. nothing radical, mm-hmm. easy solutions, a lot of a lot of engine behind the solutions with 300 nonprofits, Crime Stoppers, Houston Pet Set, you know, um, Humane Society, CAP, some of the bigger, bigger organizations. But we're met with resistance from our own leaders. It's so disheartening because yes. we're only trying to help their city. And I, I also know that leadership across the city and county, they're stretched thin. Yes. And there's a lot of, um, you know, I, I don't know what the word is. It's sort of like a built-in archaic system that people have the best intentions of rising above. But once you're in there, it's you, you, you can't find yourself on the same wheel as the person before right. you. And you can't get off and fix the things you want to fix. But that's why I think we continue to be in their face. And, and politely, because I, I just meet with so many people sure. that are so frustrated. And I'm with you. We're crying tears together. Trust me. Mm-hmm. But we also know that if we go and scream and rant and criticize and insult, we're not getting anywhere. We've got to work with whoever's at the seat and work politely. And so I think if the diligence of just going back and back and back and back and back and strike us down, that's okay. We'll come back Mm -hmm. is so important. And um, you guys do it all the time and we love partnering with you. And, you know, we read the cases of animal cruelty. We see what kids are doing at schools. We're, We're in schools, kindergarten, talking to kids about this because of you guys through 12th grade. And then we flip over into the community people respond to this positive messaging. They Mm -hmm. want to learn more about caring for animals. They want to know what to do if they can no longer care for their animals, which is why we launched three years ago, four years ago, the Harris County Animal Cruelty Task Force as a hub for all information, what you do, the do's and the don'ts, and how to, you know, if you can't take care of an animal anymore, this is what you do. I mean, we've tried together to think of everything. Um, And I think, again, it's disheartening sometimes, but we just keep pushing. We have to. To to your point, Rania, um, this is a fixable issue. There are a lot of resources going into it. And there's an ROI on fixing this problem. Because once we get it to what we call manageable populations, Mm -hmm. then there's a return. Yes. You know? And so a return financially, a return socially, a return with regard to our physical safety and the well-being of our community. So this is one of Houston's solvable problems, and it can be something that Houston can check off as and be the, doing well. And be a leader. Being a leader. Be leader. Don't just catch up. Yes. You know, there's no reason for us just to catch up to other cities. Why don't we, why don't we look at national standards and yes. jump ahead and be that that city, that leader city that um, says, this is how you treat animals. Mm. This is what animal welfare looks like in the South, because we know it's different in the South and the North because of of the um, climate. But um, there's no reason that we can't do that. And it's been done. Houston 20 did it with human trafficking. Uh, John Clark and Jennifer Homan literally sat and studied it. And um, 
and created a model that's a leader. It's it's a leader for a lead mm-hmm. for other cities, and you see people across the country following it. And now, people don't just say, "Well, Houston is the number one city for trafficking." We say, "But it's also the number one city for prevention mm-hmm. and combating human trafficking mm-hmm. now, because communities got together and made yeah. sure that happened." That's where collaboration is so important, so and we're important. so blessed to have so many people partner with Houston Pets. That you know, we people that have been in the trenches, street feeders. Um, Rescue groups, transport groups, mm. um, spay neuter. Spay neuter. Even nationally. Right. You know, they're looking at Houston now nationally. We, we had somebody just uh, kind of come out of the woodwork and say, oh, we know about Houston. We know what your animal situation is, looks like. We've been transporting out of there. Let me connect you with some other national partners wow. to help because we know that Houston is on the radar of so many rescuers, even nationwide, because because it needs to be, you know, we can't, we probably can't do this alone. No, no we can't. Nobody can support. do it alone. National support's yeah. important. What's next for Crime Stoppers? No, it's hard. We've been talking about felony bond reform all through COVID and COVID, you know, brought up a lot of issues in the community. Um, we're looking at special session, but we're expanding. Our Safe School Institute is expanding now. We train all Crime Stoppers across the state. We just partnered with Maureen Molak, David's Legacy Foundation, whose Maureen's son, David, killed himself when he was just a teen because he was a victim of horrific, relentless bullying, cyberbullying. So we're partnering with her to do presentations across the state. Our safe school program, I'm sorry, our safe community program is really, really growing. And um, soon we'll have some big announcements there. Um, the podcast is growing. We're trying to be, you know, we don't give out backpacks right? We don't give out medicine. We give out information. So we're trying to be as creative, as, as transparent. That's not the word. What's transparent. We're trying to constantly think of ways to do and give and share and lead. And so the younger girls on the team do really cool reels. I tried one. They're like, oh, no, 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 please. No, we love you, but nope. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. Forget it. Um, but they're, you know, we're just trying to be really creative. And then we have a special gala coming up in October, our first in two years, and a lot of really, really, really big things. Somebody, I met with somebody, uh, well, I'll take it back. During the whole summer of 2020, when George Floyd was killed in defund police, I actually met with two women, one from Spotify, one from MTV. This is when our new podcast was born. And they said, what's so interesting is your nonprofit has been doing for 40 years what the entire country is talking about right now. And that's really interesting. I said, yeah, that's true. And then we um, have really started to think like, and then I had a meeting the other day where a gentleman looked at me and said, look, what you guys are doing is literally one of the top two issues in the city the next two or three years, public safety. And we believe that. And so we're going to expand and be prepared and keep pushing and fighting. We're doing home meetings neighborhood community meetings, talking about public safety, um, recognizing that people are being followed home and and targeted in their homes. And we just, kids dealing with all the things they're dealing with online. I mean, the list doesn't end. Yeah. Thank God for Crime Stoppers. As Tama said earlier, what would our city look like without our animal nonprofits? What would Houston look like without Crime Stoppers? Mm, Truly. I think it's a great group. You and you've assembled such an amazing team. There's not one person on that team that we don't truly love for who they are, for what they do, and for making Houston a much better place. So hats off to you, Rania. Bravo. Thank you. You know, you've done incredible work, and we are honored 
to par- be partnered with you in in many causes, but especially our cause for the animals. Well, yeah. We feel the same way. We learn a lot from you guys and are inspired by you guys and get direction from you guys and then learn to fill the gaps together based on things that you're identifying need to be filled. And it's just been an honor working with you from day one. I think one of my second press conferences was with you guys in the old Wells Fargo Bank, oh, yes. second floor. Mm-hmm. Tina, Tama, me. Yes. <laughs> and I expected to see the Crime Stoppers team be like 40 or 50 people. No. And there was like six of you or yeah. something. I'm like, well, yes. where, where's your no. I said, how do you do what you do with so few people? And I say it to this day. And someone just said that to me about three months ago in a text. And it was the best compliment that I think Houston Pet Set could receive yes. was because I went back to when I said it to you. Yes. How do you get done? everything that you get done with such a small team. I mean, you guys are efficient. You're good. Every single one of your team players is um, top-notch. They are top-notch. I always say, let's be the Harvard of nonprofits. And Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care if people are sitting at their desk eight to five. I've never cared about that. But we meet deadlines. We work with the news at night and on the day and on the weekend. So if you want to take Thursday afternoon to go go home, please, like, rest, rejuvenate, do something fun. Because it is a nonstop full-time Yeah, I think it is for our team, too. You're never off the clock. And anybody in rescue, you know, Mm -hmm. anyone. It's not like the animals stop suffering on holidays or weekends. Lots of times that's when we're our busiest. And so hats off to our team, too, who work nonstop. Well, we're very blessed with Houston is blessed, I think, with both Houston Pet Set and Crime Stoppers and the many other nonprofits that make this city so great. Yeah, agreed. Wonderful. Thank you, Rania. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for everything, everything you've done for the animals, for making it a conversation with those leaders, because that's where the change will really come. So very grateful. We appreciate it. Congratulations on the podcast. It's amazing. It is fun, right? It's weird to hear your voice in this, but (laughs) (laughs) thank you again. Thank you. Likewise.